All right, it is Saturday morning, and we have a very special podcast today. As we're going to be talking to Von Washington. He is uh, currently the head of the Kalamazoo Promise, celebrating their 10th year. And if you don't know what the Kalamazoo Promise is, it is essentially if you live in the city of Kalamazoo, you can have your in-state tuition taken care of if you graduate from high school. No GPA requirements, and you have 10 years to spend it. Sounds amazing, right? The amazing story is next on the Everything is Marketing podcast. Marketers ruin everything. Welcome to the Everything is Marketing podcast. What I don't want to do is to pretend this is show number one. What would the hero of your life's movie do right now? Do that. Do those things. All right, it is the Everything is Marketing podcast. My name is Eric Hulkerin. Very special guest this week as we were talking to Vaughn Washington. Uh, we are actually in Kalamazoo. It is the year uh, to celebrate uh, um, the 10th year of the Kalamazoo Promise. So that's here what we're, you know, what we're here to talk about today, Vaughn. So for those people who, let's say, are listening to the podcast and may not be super familiar with what the Kalamazoo Promise is and kind of like the national effect that it had, walk us through what, what it is and, and why it's been so important. Oh, thank you for having me. So, so just imagine a board meeting in 2005 where some people are invited to be there um, because there's going to be a special announcement. The superintendent of schools at that time, Dr. Janice Brown, then announces at that board meeting on that afternoon that students who graduate from the Kalamazoo Public Schools, starting with the current class that was coming up, would receive free tuition and mandatory fees paid at any in-state college or university in the state of Michigan. So upon their graduation from the Kalamazoo Public Schools, they were going to receive tuition and fees. That's at any in-state public college or university. You can imagine the people, <laughs> you know, the gas that take place. Uh, even as a principal at the time of the alternative school, Phoenix High School in Kalamazoo, I really couldn't wrap my brain around what was just being announced. Now, was it you couldn't wrap your brain around the economics of it or the impetus of it? Or, like, what, what was surprising to you about it, the whole thing? Just everything. One, um, I had student loans that I was thinking about right away. Boy, what would it be nice not right. to have to pay for those. <laughs> right. Uh, so every adult in the room was thinking that. Um, students in the room who were going to be graduating, because many of them that were invited there were those that were going to be impacted right away, were just going, oh, my goodness. Uh, there was one young lady that was there whom uh, she had been accepted to the University of Michigan, you know, basically her dream school at the time, but wasn't going to be able to go because of their financial situation at home. So she had put a plan in place to go to the local school, the local community college for a couple of years, try to save the money. And in one announcement, she was able to go to the dream school of her choice. And so those types of impacts, but really just not understanding how much money this meant what it was going to mean for those students who uh, had to have alternative plans sure. based upon what was really going to happen. Some weren't going to be able to go to school at all. They're going to have to work right away, those types of things. Uh, but just not really understanding the impact. But knowing, you know, deep down inside, this is awful special. So fast forward 10 years from that announcement, right? You're obviously heavily, heavily involved in this. What, what was that trajectory like like how did you get involved in this and how did you end up where you are today so with that announcement and i'll just give the kind of the lay of the land so sure. to get the kalamazoo promise a student had to be in the kalamazoo public schools for at least four consecutive years so grades nine through 12 at a minimum and if you were in grades nine through 12 at a minimum you'd get 65 percent of your tuition and fees paid if you're in the kalamazoo public schools k-12 it was 100 percent tuition and mandatory fees paid you also have to live within the boundaries of the kalamazoo public schools 
schools. Um, and if you're in the boundaries and Kalamazoo Public Schools is where you are supposed to go to school at, you would receive the scholarship as well. And then receive a diploma from a Kalamazoo Public School. So if you met those minimum criteria, then you'd be able to get the scholarship. It's so easy uh, to receive based upon those types of things. A lot of people ask if there's a grade point average requirement in high school, and there is not. The high school diploma is your ticket uh, to be able to use the Kalamazoo Promise. At the time, I was a principal in the alternative school. Dr. Janice Brown, who just did a tremendous job for the Kalamazoo Public Schools District, then came to me after six months in the alternative school and said, we'd like you to impact more people. So before I knew it, I was the principal at Kalamazoo Central High School. So I went from about 150 students to 2,000 students in <laughs> uh, one fell swoop. And uh, this was a matter of someone seeing something in me that maybe I didn't see in myself at sure. the time. I thought it was enough for me to be able to handle and work with 150 students. But it was awful special, and that announcement had been made. So seeing it now, students who are graduating that are now on jobs, students who are graduating that are essentially saying that they're almost debt-free, thinking about how that impacts their lives, and now really looking forward, want to see how it can impact the community. And, and how, have you, you've obviously felt an impact in the community. What has that been like? Because, of course, the idea behind this is twofold, right? Give these kids a chance at an education and at an unbelievable gift of an education, no strings attached except for you live here. But then that obviously brings families who are thinking about coming to West Michigan to think about perhaps a different city, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, it, when it was first announced, people were like, well, people that have money, they're not going to send their kids there if they don't want their kids to go to the school. Well, a lot of people that have money didn't make money through bad investments. They were pretty smart with their money. And right. so an understanding that they could possibly save $70,000, uh, you know, right. per tuition and stuff really makes sense. And Kalamazoo is, is a growing and thriving city in the state of Michigan. And so it really makes sense to, if you have an opportunity to live in a place where your students can receive this great gift. But we were talking about the impact. So the impact on the community isn't yet quite what you think it might be. So for the first 10 years, it's been about getting the scholarship up and running. Um, when it was announced, this wonderful announcement, it, there was no organization and there was no way to even give the scholarship out. So the Kalamazoo province didn't have an office. It didn't have anything or an employee. It was just said that by the time students graduate this year, they're getting a scholarship. And so people had to get busy and go to work. And Bob Jorth was hired. Bob Jorth, who is now the executive director and Promise Administrator here at the Kalamazoo Promise is the first employee and last standing employee uh, that was hired in the beginning. So he was the first employee, and he had to straighten out, put a database together, and get everything going. So the first you know, five, six, seven years was building relationships with colleges and universities on how bills were going to get paid, answering some questions, working with communities, because we're aware of at least 50 communities across the country who are doing something similar to the Kalamazoo Promise. And I'll talk about what I mean by similar sure. in a second, but doing something like that. So the first years were like that. Dr. Janice Brown retired from her superintendency a year later. She came on board and was doing essentially what I am doing now, uh, was the community relations support uh, part of the Kalamazoo Promise. And so those first 10 years have been spent doing that. 
the next 10 years as we look forward are really going to be focused on this thought of community transformation and what that means. So we're currently going through and uh, working with the folks in our office to find out where students are uh, when they graduated, what are they doing? You know, and we know there are students that are still taking off and going to other cities and stuff. You have no obligation to Kalamazoo once you receive the scholarship. You can go and live your life anywhere, but we're hopeful that it gets ingrained in that culture that you could really come back to Kalamazoo, give back in a great way by living, working, and playing here. And what an interesting thing, you know, as, as we're talking, you know, I'm, I'm hearing you tell the story and the Kalamazoo Promise essentially was a startup, right? Mm-hmm. Like you, you, when you hear about it, you just think, oh, it's another layer on top of the school system. But no, it was literally a startup with zero employees from zero to 10, from 10 to whatever it is today. And now you're, you know, you've gotten that first 10 under your belt and now you're ready to probably, I would say, where the hard work happens, right? Like to, to grow this thing and make it exactly what you want it to be. This was absolutely a love for people. And an opportunity for folks that had the will and the resources to see everyone be successful. And there are a number of layers that people talk about, whether it was an economic development thought, whether or not it was something to uh, propel the city uh, into a different uh, light nationally, or if it was really just to work with people at an individual level and help them live better lives. You pick because the donors don't tell us that, right. you know, the donors don't dictate uh, what colors to wear. They don't tell us what days to work. They, the donors are hands off. And I say that because in most programs of this nature where people are having to put in resources, they really want to say. And that say sometimes can really complicate what happens because everybody around the table has a different idea about how this should look. Now, I know that there's a veil of secrecy around that, so like I, I don't want to get into that. But, but the one question about that I want to ask is from the, the get-go – were they were they was that their thought process like i want to do this so bad but you know what you're doing like here's the money figure it out or was there some jostling till you figured out how to streamline this and that it needed to kind of be its own entity and they would donate and then that would be essentially the end of it well what makes it easy for me is that i don't know the answer to that question um <laughs> still the uh, and that's good for me all, every day but the person that helped orchestrate this in conjunction with the donors and still is the only person that has conversation with the donors is Dr. Janice Brown. And now that she is no longer in this particular position, and, and it's such an honor to be able to succeed her in this job. Sure. There's no other job like it. Uh, Dr. Janice Brown is now on our board. So still and yet, when we have those conversations, she conducts those conversations with the donors. Uh, but she assures us that community transformation individual success of people uh, and education are purely on the forefront of what everybody was thinking around that table when they put this in place. Well, they would, it would have to be, right? Because the self-awareness of that group of people to not get in its way says a lot about the, the types of people that are moving and building and shaping Kalamazoo. And, and I, you know, I think, I know that story can't be told in, in full for some various magical reasons, right? Because you wouldn't want to, this is magic happening here yeah. and you wouldn't want to ruin that magic. But it's fair to say that that's such an interesting part that they were self-aware enough to just go, this is how it has to work. So let's just do it that way and let these people do what they're good at. So you, you mentioned earlier on that there's 50 or so other communities that are doing a version mm-hmm. of this. That's right. Um, can you? And they're obviously coming in November, right, for the 
uh, or yeah, the, Promise Net for, for Promise Net, Net conference. You know, where they all everyone gets together and they kind of feed off of each other and, and make their programs better and help other people grow. What are some of the communities? What are some of the things I should say that the communities are, have gleaned from Kalamazoo that are working for them? And maybe what are the, some of the things that still need to be worked out? So the Kalamazoo Promise was one of the things that's extremely special, if not the thing, is that it's universal. So as we mentioned, coming out of high school, there's not a grade point average requirement. Many people think, oh, well, you have to be performing at a certain level in high sure. school. Well, a lot of us change and mature after high school, and everybody's high school experience isn't the same. So the Kalamazoo Promise really focuses on how to include everyone and not exclude anyone. And that really works well for us. But remember, if you do that, then you really have to take a look at those who are not successful. You can't just turn your back on those that have a scholarship and aren't able to make it work at a particular time for whatever reason. Because if I was in a tough situation the day before I received the scholarship, I'm probably going to be in a tough situation the day after, sure. whether or not um, we're having struggles. So you really want to look at all that. So no grade point average. The majority of communities that have instituted a scholarship have a grade point average, some as high as a 3.0 grade point average. And some people will think, well, they need something to shoot for. They need to really want the scholarship and those types of things. And so that kind of thought process could go in there. But imagine I'm a student who has a 1.7. I really struggle in my freshman year but want the scholarship really bad. And by the time I'm done, I, for graduation, I'm at a 2.7. Now, for many of us, and we've got some folks much younger than me in the room here <laughs> with us, you know that could I'm be... I'm not one of them. That's right. Yeah, it could be monumental, right? You've done everything you can. You finished with a 2.7. Many colleges and universities will take me based upon my scores. Sure. But I can't get the scholarship. That is tough to think about, that I've really moved a great deal. I've moved forward in my high school career, but I wouldn't get the scholarship. That's a tough thing. Secondly, the Kalamazoo Promise, and as we talk a little bit, more and more will be revealed. It's just crazy, right? It's just unbelievable. It's first dollar is what it's called. So that means we're paying tuition and fees, whether your family makes $20 a week or $2 million a week. We're paying your tuition and fees. Many of the scholarships are considered middle to last dollar. Nothing wrong with that, but they take into account any other scholarship money you received. Gotcha. So, okay, we look at your financial aid. We look at your other package. We look at this and that. Then here we'll fill in the gaps. All wonderful things. But you see the difference between universal, we're going to pay it no matter what, and or having to fill in um, second to middle, middle to last dollar. So those are specific things that I point to, that grade point average, so it's not exclusionary, and the fact that we're paying first dollar period. Well, and I would imagine, you know, in ninth grade, you're, as you alluded to, you're a different person by the time you graduate, right? And that also goes for physical, Absolutely. Like, I mean, high schoolers are going through, I mean, anyone who's a parent who's listening to this knows that, right, they're going through this insane time in their <laughs> life that you have to, you know, balance all of the emotions and the physicality. And then on top of this, the stress of keeping a grade point average, which for some kids, it's it just, it doesn't click yet, right? It, right? Maybe it clicks when they're 20. And so I guess that would be my next question is if I go through this whole process and I can't use it as a, when I graduate, is there a time limit does it default at some point well so yeah here we go wonderment number five right so you have 10 years to utilize your scholarship so whether i'm ready to go to school right away whether i start and have to kind of stop and then start again and stop you have 10 years to use your scholarship so that comes with a couple things so 10 years to use the scholarship 
or 130 credits used. Um, one of the things that they discovered right away was that when people had the scholarship, they might be taking classes, changing directions, moving, changing sure. courses, stuff, yeah, yeah. and amassing all these credits. So 10 years, 130 credits, or a bachelor's degree, whatever comes first, is the opportunity to use your scholarship. And as a matter of fact, I think we have maybe 30 to 40 students in the original class. So as we speak now, students are still eligible to use their promise that were awarded it in that first class. That's incredible. They still have that. So you might say, well, they won't, they won't be able to finish. Well, at least one, they could have some uh, less debt. Or two, the promise does cover programs that are at many of our local community colleges. So certificate programs, uh, programs of uh, job, uh, yep. job certifi- certification, as well as police academy, you name it. So any of those programs that are provided and give you college credit, the promise pays for so you've got a big year ahead, right? There's a community celebration right around the corner coming up uh, what, in... Yep, on the 15th of August, yeah. yeah. So you've got that. Tell us a little bit about that. The community celebration is from anyone, from is for anyone from here or if you're in California, it doesn't matter. We're going to be in Bronson Park, August 15th, really celebrating this wonderful gift. So when you think about the Kalamazoo Promise, it was a gift given to a community. Sure. All right, so it basically it was laid down, said, here, what are you going to do? And as a community... The sooner we recognize that and leverage that gift, I mean, sixty over $65 million has been given out over this 10 years. $65 million, it's promised in perpetuity. So it's going to go on. So it's something that we can trust. So how does a community take something such as every student being able to get an education and leverage that for future success and transformation. And that's really what we're looking for. So this day in Bronson Park, August 15th, is to bring the community together. We're looking at having a college fair there. There's 58 colleges and universities now. Because when I mentioned earlier when it was announced, it was in-state public colleges and universities. Uh, In the fall this year, we announced that there are 15 private colleges and universities now that can receive Promise Scholars next fall. So it's the Michigan College Alliance, and if anyone wants to look up what those 15 are, you can look in there. Um, But we're very excited because one of them is our local school, Kalamazoo College now, which has one of the higher tuition bills that a student can amass coming out. And so they're in there. And what they did when the College Alliance came in, they know that their tuition is much more than many of the public schools. So we took one of the degrees at the University of Michigan, which has about a $14,000 ticket every year, and we said we would pay that amount. The Michigan College Alliances said they would pay the other half and make a student whole. So it was really a good articulation. They have skin in the game as well, and now Promise College can go to those 15 private schools as well, so it's pretty special. That's awesome. So we'll be celebrating that. So we have a college fair. We want to have a job fair. For those folks out there, we know that one of the things that we started to discover is that many of our students come from low socioeconomic backgrounds, and it's tough for them to go to school. They may have to work to try to provide for their families as it is, and so we want to help their families and them obtain work. That's a part of that community transformation. How does the community take care of those students to make sure they're successful? So we have a job fair. Events for students, kindergarten on on up, preschool on up to adults, but we want everybody to come out and see how we appreciate this gift. And then this fall, it's the promise night. Can you talk a little bit about what that's going to look like? I mean, ten years into this, I imagine it's it's going to be learning and it's going to be talking about what's next, but it's going to be a celebration, right? Yeah, absolutely. Promise net started maybe about five years ago. So what happened was Dr. Brown 
and Bob Jorth in our office kept receiving phone calls from communities that were interested. How did it start? What was the money? Who did this? Who did that? And they would go out and they would talk about it. And Dr. Brown specifically would travel nationally to talk about this thing. So at one point, they and the folks at the W.E. Upjohn Institute, which is right here in Kalamazoo, who has been tracking the promise since day one. A couple of their researchers have written books about the Kalamazoo promise, and they've been following it. So between Bob and them, they've compiled all the data because we're really trying to, this is an experiment, if you will, right? (laughs) This is a great social experiment, one of the greatest that we may see. So um, they've been tracking that. And so eventually, after about five years, they said, we should just get together with people. We should convene in one place and start talking about these types of things and how to support each other. So PromiseNet was born. It's been here in Kalamazoo, and then it went to Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh may have the second most comprehensive scholarship that there is. They have a large scholarship that's going in a very large metropolitan area, urban area, and their scholarship is going to, it's been here, it's been Pittsburgh, and last year we were in um, New Haven, Connecticut, because the New Haven promise has been born. But we're fortunate. We have it back here in our 10-year celebration. The, The conference is November 10, 11, and 12, and it surrounds the original dates of the announcement back 10 years ago, and everyone's really excited about coming back to the home of where this promise movement started, and those communities all point to Kalamazoo as the catalyst for this thought and this opportunity and this idea, and most everybody finds it to be one that just makes great sense. Lots of exciting stuff happening here. So as we are heading into the next 10 years, you talked about it you know, a couple minutes ago. Is there a number one goal in your mind, like the thing you'd like to accomplish in the next decade or that the promise would accomplish in the next decade? So there's a staggering number right now that just jumps out at us all the time. And we mentioned the fact that it's universal, that you'll look at particular things. So that number is there are nearly 1,000 students that have received and have the Kalamazoo promise that are not currently in school. That's just not acceptable in a community that has this opportunity, this gift. So we're really going to look at what it means for those students, the struggles that they've had, what barriers still exist, because this is a tremendous barrier removed, being able to pay, pay for school. But what other barriers exist in our community? And we are firm believers that the resources are here to remove them whether it's a social, low socioeconomic, whether it's transportation, child care, you, you name it. Um, there's simple solutions and there's much more complex solutions. But it will not be acceptable in 20 years to say that there are then 2,000 students that received the scholarship, that had the scholarship, that were not able to use it to propel themselves to um, another level in life. So we're really focusing on those students now, working with community agencies all across Kalamazoo to try to say, what can we do to try to relieve this situation? So we're going after that hard. We will not, we will not be happy about this number doubling at all. Awesome. Bon Washington, thank you for the time. It's been thank, a pleasure. Thank you very much thank for coming to Kalamazoo. Obviously. Thank you.